This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And that's why, as we get to the finale of this series, the game in which we just watched, because we were recording this episode of Rico Bronia right after this series ended, I went into this game tonight. I was a little tipsy, by the way. I had a few drinks today. So, it was, you know, my brain wasn't fully focused. Uh, but I said to my wife, who did not give a rat's ass about this, but I said, you know what, hon? This is a big game tonight. And she looked at me and said, big game tonight. You sit there with your scorecard and score 160 games. But tonight's a big night. Tonight's different. And I said, it is. It's different because me and Pete Hoffman are going to record Rico Bronia as soon as it's over. No, no, no. I said, here's why it's big. And I'm being dead serious here. This was not, what did I drink today? Well, I went to the Yankee game, and I had this really fruity red drink, a frozen drink. I didn't get tipsy from that. because Like a daiquiri? I mean, yeah, I think it was. I, honestly, Hoff, I don't know what it was. I just said to my wife, give me the fruitiest frozen drink you could find. Got to be a frozen so, daiquiri then. Yeah, I would think that's the case. You think that uh, so it was a strawberry daiquiri? I would, a, f- a fruity drink? Makes sense for like frozen daiquiri. What what are the frozen drinks they have? It's a good point. I really have no idea. A Judge Juice Bomb? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) By the way, for anyone who cares, I went to this Yankee game because my brother-in-law is a Yankee fan. They were in town, and I said, yeah, let's go to the Yankee game. And it was perfect because the Mets played at night, so it wasn't even interfering with the game. So my son comes, has really gotten into baseball. Uh, My nephew, my niece, we're all at the game. And I say to them, Look, this is your day. You're the Yankee fan. So if you want to leave early, if you want to stay the whole game, I'm at your beck and call. And the Yankee game was just, a, I mean, it was horrific. They won 18 to 4, whatever the hell it was. It was it was 10 to 1 in the third inning. So we actually left in the sixth inning, which is one of the earliest I've ever left a baseball game. But you know what? It was two and a half hours in, and the game was well decided. So we got home, and then that's when I really started, you know, drinking uh i think i had a few beers or something like that but what was i saying <laughs> what you're was the saying point you were, you're drunk right now as you're doing this podcast <laughs> i swear i'm not drunk you're yeah, tipsy I, you might be getting violated later tonight what are you talking about i was well i hope so i was <laughs> i was tipsy as i was getting my scorecard ready uh by the time the game started i was i was good i swear to god it was not it was not anything intense But I was explaining to my wife why this was a big game. Because to her, she sees 162 and says, well, what would make this bigger than the others? And the reason it was big is because there's just a difference in feeling, in tone, 
and how we would think about this team going into Tuesday night when they finally return home to play the Brewers, it's different to be four and a half games up after you were ten and a half games up a week and a half ago. It's different to say, yeah, they went four and six on this road trip as compared to five and five, especially when they won the opener of this series and maybe follow the same trek they had against San Diego of losing back-to-back games. So I think the combination of, yes, the divisional lead, which we'll spend more time on in a little bit, and the fact that four and six and five and five just feel different. There's a different feel to it. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, I sat down tonight saying, it's big. This game's going to determine how we feel about this road trip. Like, I feel good about this road trip. Hoff, do you feel good about it? Like, right now, I don't want to put words in your mouth. How do you feel about this road trip? I actually feel great for everything that took place, for the injuries, again, the fact that we're missing, like you said, Scherzer, DeGrom still not being around. This could have gotten gone so wrong. To be 5-5, five and five, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Honestly, I, I feel incredible. And, and look, you're right. Like, this could have been a disaster, especially because of the injuries they dealt with in the middle of this uh, road trip even though they turned out not to be major. I mean, Pete and Starling are back. But wouldn't you admit that while 4-6 and six wouldn't be a disaster, no one's saying it would be, if we're sitting here at 4-6, and six, or are we like, yeah, well, it wasn't great. We survived it. I'm glad to be home, but eh. Yeah, well, listen, 4-6, four, four I, I, I would have been a little unhappy, but not totally devastated because, again, like the way they got their asses hand to them some of these games it was like we're like in survive mode. And I still look at this as possibly being the worst like stretch that they're going to have all season. And this is amazing. Five and five. You're right. Four and six would be like, eh. But still, even if it was four and six, this possibly being the worst stretch of the season for them, I'll take it. Well, let, let's hope it's the worst stretch of the season for them. I'm, I'm hoping we're not staring at like an 11 out of 13 at some point. But no, you're happening. right. When you, when you look at the losses, other than the first game of this road trip, which I think was the 2-0 game, uh, where Tony Gonsolin dominated, I think that was the first game of this series, the losses were obvious. The losses were, yeah, they got their ass kicked. There were no devastating West Coast losses that you regret. None oh my God, this was theirs. They blew it, the missed opportunity. The losses were games in which they got shut out or blown out. But that's the difference. That's why I went into this game tonight with Starling Marte back, which was really cool. Very excited to see it because he's missed how many games in a row. But that's why I looked at this game and said, this is significant. You know, the pitching matchup is close. Patrick Sandoval is a pretty good lefty. Taiwan Walker mostly has been good this season. So Trout's back. Otani's luckily getting an off day, but you kind of figured, all right, Otani's going to show his face at some point. He's going to pinch it for Kurt Suzuki at some point late in this game. So I looked at it and said, this is big. They go down one nothing right out of the gate. I mean, it felt early with the way Taiwan Walker was throwing the baseball in the first inning that this was going to be another one of those blowouts because they weren't equipped bullpen-wise. Like, where were they going if the first inning was an indicator of what Taiwan Walker had tonight? Where were they going? They really had nowhere to go. So they needed a solid five or six innings out of tie. And when he gives up a leadoff double to Brandon Marsh, an RBI single to Mike Trout, he gets the double play on Anthony Rendon great, but then promptly gives a back-to-back hitch to Jared Walsh and Matt Duffy. And here's Juan Ligaris, who let's not forget, yes, he got him out. He hit the crap out of the ball. He hit a line drive to right at Brandon Nimmo. So as... 
Taiwan Walker's walking off the field, and it's one nothing Angels going to the second inning. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. They're fortunate to be down one nothing, And this could turn really, really quickly. This could be very similar to some of these other games that got out of hand promptly. And everything changed. And I give Taiwan Walker incredible credit because, yes, it's the bottom of the order. Yes, it's Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. But he goes out and strikes out the side in the second inning. All of a sudden, Taiwan Walker's getting swing and misses. And he was not fooling anybody in the first inning. And it changed everything in this game. It really did. I mean, he looked like a completely different pitcher after that rocky first inning. I also thought a big moment for him is third inning of this game, he gives up an infield hit to Brandon Marsh. Okay, not the end of the world. But you've got Mike Trout coming up. And you've got Anthony Rendon coming up. And in a big spot, picks him off. And completely short-circuited that inning. And after that, I mean, Ty was mostly good. You know, he had to make a couple of big pitches. The Angels had a couple of big opportunities, specifically in the fourth inning when they had two on and two out. And he gets the big strike out of Tyler Wade. And he looks so good and so in command that if Buck wanted to, and I get why he didn't, he could have pushed him for seventh inning. He's at 97 pitches. He did retired seven in a row. He looked really good facing that order a third time around, getting a bunch of swing and misses, getting a lot of weak contact. But I think Buck figured, and this was the brilliance of tonight, and I tweeted about this about an inning before it happened because you could feel it. You could feel why this was setting up this way. This was setting up to be a multi-inning, multi-out Edwin Diaz kind of night. And the reason I felt it, and the reason I'm sure everyone felt it, is because you had the perfect combination. You had an off day tomorrow. You had a game that I think even Buck sitting there, whether he admits it or not, would say, hey, this one feels important. This one feels like a game I really want. And he has a weapon in Edwin Diaz who has not been used a lot. When you go back and look at the last week, he hasn't pitched a lot. I mean, think about it. Go through how often he's pitched over the latter part of this road trip. They used him on Friday only just to get him work because Buck realized, I got to get Edwin Diaz work. So you got a guy who's fresh because he hasn't pitched a lot and you want to pitch him. Like even if the Mets are winning this game 11-1, Edwin Diaz gets into this game. Mets are losing 11-1. He may want to get Edwin Diaz into this game with an off day upcoming and how little he's pitched over the last few days. So I think in Buck's mind, as we go to the seventh inning, and I'm thinking it too, I don't need to push Taiwan Walker. I got Seth Lugo, who I can ask for more than three outs from. 
and I got Edwin Diaz. I've got two arms, and I think we'd mostly agree, Drew Smith is certainly in this argument, that the two relievers you trust the most, even though Lugo's been so shaky, is, well, it's Diaz and somebody else. <laughs> That's the truth. Maybe it's Adam Adovino at this point. I don't know. It's Edwin Diaz and someone else. Drew Smith, Seth Lugo, Adam Adovino. It's not Jolie Rodriguez. It's not Chasen Shreve. Honestly, that's a good question. Who is the second reliever you trust after Edwin Diaz? You know, it's funny. I'd probably still say Lugo only because of his history here more than anything. Not, not because of the way he's pitched this season. I mean, obviously, you remember him blowing the Dodger game the way he did. I think it's more I've seen Lugo come up in big spots and succeed for this team more than anyone else in this bullpen. It's an interesting question. Who do you trust the most off after Edwin Diaz in this bullpen? Ugh, uh, there's no good answer there. I mean, I guess the safest <laughs> is Lugo, but I really don't. That's my biggest concern about the team still is I just the lack of bullpen. Well, they're gonna they're gonna get somebody. I, I'll yeah. tell you two things. Who they're gonna when? acquire somebody, and that's obvious. And here's the other guy that I would very much think about and say, huh, that could work, and that's Tyler McGill. Because if this team is healthy and Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are, in fact, walking through that door, unless you're going six-man rotation, there's an odd man out. And not an odd man out may be Tyler McGill, but it may not be odd man out in a bad way because you could look at him and say, hey, that's a hell of a weapon coming out and getting me three, four, five, maybe even more, more outs in a big spot. So I think the combination of, yeah, they'll go out and make a trade, but then also They've got a starting pitcher option that they can go to that could actually be effective for them. I think that's the other possibility. But right, I mean, look, right now there is no right answer. You're right. It's Edwin Diaz and not much else. And I give Edwin Diaz a lot of credit because he's been trustworthy. And he really has. I know he's had his bad moments here and there, but for the most part, he's been electric. So Buck's managing this game, seventh inning on, saying, I know I've got that weapon. I know at some point I can deploy Edwin. And he did it perfectly. 